Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 50 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Welcome to the podcast. Today, The Politics of Western Kentucky, and a new book published by the University Press of Kentucky and written by George G. Humphreys of Drakesboro, Kentucky. Humphreys has titled his book, The Fall of Kentucky's Rock, Western Kentucky Democratic Politics Since the New Deal. The rock Humphreys is referring to is, uh, George, I'll say a play on words from an often used label many have voiced over the years when discussing Western Kentucky democratic politics as the Gibraltar of democracy. We'll find out in a few minutes if that brand is, uh, is still applicable today. We'll ask George Humphreys that question. Plus, we'll have a good discussion about uh, Kentucky in general and Western Kentucky politics. Uh, George, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks, Bill. It's, it's nice to be here with you in th- this morning. And uh, Nice to have an opportunity to participate in Think Humanities. George, uh, you have an interesting uh, background uh, as a Kentuckian, uh, but as one who um, has come back to the state uh, several years ago after being away for some years. Tell us about your background. Well, I was born in Fulton, uh, which is the furthest uh, county west in western Kentucky in uh, 1949, and uh, my parents uh, decided to move to Detroit about a year later. So I grew up in Detroit, but my family's from uh, Fulton and Hickman counties, and I always felt a special affinity for, uh, you know, Kentucky, Western Kentucky, and I, you know, like to go back for vacations. And uh, then when I was in school at college, um, I, I decided that I wanted to leave Detroit, and so I enrolled at Murray State and got received my uh, bachelor's and master's degrees in history at Murray State. Uh, it was a very, very, you know, enjoyable time in my life. Um, but uh, then we decided, my wife and I, my wife's from Drakesboro here in Muhlenberg County, and uh, anyway, we decided both to go on for our terminal degrees. Sounds so, so uh, ominous. <laughs> but, I have one uh, of those two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, we both decided that uh, that the University of Oklahoma would be a good place to go. And so we moved to Oklahoma. And uh, coming out when I did, uh, getting history jobs was, was, was pretty tough. And so I started work with the Oklahoma legislature. Um, I guess it was about 1979. And I stayed there basically for the most part, you know, 25 years working for the Oklahoma House of Representatives as a, as a staff director. Um, I did, uh, you know, considerable amount of writing. I was in a good place to write about uh, Oklahoma politics and Oklahoma history. So um, I, I did that and then about, uh, Oh, uh, at around two, the year 2000, and my wife and I had decided that we would always retire to back home to Kentucky, and she wanted to come back to Muhlenberg County, and I said, that's fine, I 
kept you out here in Oklahoma uh, quite a long time. So anyway, uh, in 2004, um, uh, you know, my, my mother-in-law had, had Alzheimer's and it was time for us to come home and, and, uh, and, and be here for her. And uh, anyway, Madisonville Community College had built a campus um, in Central City. And, and you're, you, you know uh, Dr. Judy Rhodes real well. Certainly. Yes. And uh, I, had, I had dropped by her office because I always assumed I would work at the you know, at, at state capitol, either at, at uh, Frankfurt or down in, down in Nashville. But anyway, I uh, went over and talked to Dr. Rhodes and said, thank you for building this this campus, uh, it would be ideal if I could have a job there. And so about a year later, she contacted me and offered uh, me an opportunity to apply for the uh, campus director's job, which I did get and uh, worked as, a, as, a, as the off-campus director for MCC for 12 years and retired in 2016. Well, that's a, a part of your uh, biography I didn't, uh, I wasn't aware of. Uh, Dr. Rhodes, uh, for our listeners, is a uh, wonderful um, a former president of Madisonville Community College and, and uh, Technical College and, and also of uh, satellite campuses. And uh, Dr. Rhodes was, uh, is on our board uh, currently um, and uh, is on her second uh, go-around with Kentucky Humanities, and we, she's just a, uh, an invaluable partner and um, just so important to us, and someday, um, and, and was to the region down there, and to anybody who went to school down there, a, a terrific uh, fundraiser and, and a promoter of the college, and, and her husband, uh, Jerry, Senator Jerry Rhodes, uh, was a very distinguished uh, member of the General Assembly, and I'm sure you've had uh, many uh, good uh, uh, evenings uh, talking with uh, Senator Rhodes uh, about yes. uh, Western Kentucky politics. Yes, I, I sure have. And as I understood, she was your past president. Of, uh, yes, uh, yes, of our board. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's been a big supporter over the years. And uh, yeah, uh, I paid her back, I guess, and and uh, I wrote a, a history of the college for its 40th anniversary. I, I've, oft, I've never said this to her, but I think that she you know, encouraged me to apply for the job because I wrote a, a history of the Oklahoma House of Representatives, which was kind of a template for what I did for the uh, community college history. Yeah. So. George, uh, the, um, uh, the, the title of your book, uh, The Fall of Kentucky's Rock, I, I'm just going to... Uh, uh, not really go out on a limb because it's uh, it's factual, uh, but I'm just going to I'm going to guess that um, people in Kentucky, uh, let's say they're in the age group of um, 45 to 50 and younger. Have really never known another Western Kentucky uh, political system or or scheme uh, than the one they see today. 50 and older uh, folks like us uh, and, and Dr. Rhodes and others remember a different uh, makeup of, uh, of Western uh, Kentucky politics. And if uh, one just thinks about it for a few minutes, it, it's uh, quite extraordinary. And uh, you've done a, a marvelous job of uh, painting a, a picture of the way that has changed, uh, yet at the same time, there are so many 
intricate parts uh, that uh, no one may be observed at the time that one day we're going to be a majority conservative, Republican, whatever, uh, that, that they didn't do that. But but here here we are. So what was it about your observations? What was your interest in putting this together in, in uh, the, the book, uh, which is now available to the public, uh, The Fall of Kentucky's Rock? As I was thinking about relocating to Kentucky, um, I, I still felt like I was young enough that I had another book in me, and I thought I would like to write something on, on Kentucky. And uh, anyway, uh, er, very early on, and, and I can remember very well conversations, emails with Al Cross, uh, who you know as, the, as a political columnist with the uh, Louisville Courier Journal, and then now as a head of the Institute for Rural Jur Journalism at UK. Anyway, we had a number of conversations and I said, you know, it's very strange to me um, that there's been almost nothing written, really nothing written about Western Kentucky. But on the other hand, um, if you look at the 20th century, Western Kentucky in terms of its political leadership is heavily weighted to uh, Western Kentucky. You had uh, the period that I've really focused on from uh, 1931 through 1994, you had uh, seven uh, governors serving eight terms from Western Kentucky. So that was, you know, I thought there's a real story to be told here. Um, I, I noted your your comment about conservative. The one uh, consistent thing I would say uh, in about Western Kentucky is it's always been conservative whether it's a democrat or republican yes yeah not not <laughs> some, it's politicians weren't always conservative i don't, I don't think that uh, uh alvin barkley for example the uh, uh you know the uh, great new dealer uh you know could be could qualify as a conservative but on the whole i think western kentucky uh western kentuckians have certainly been conservative you know, that's just their nature, that's their makeup. And um, so, uh, and, and I guess, you know, one of the things that uh, that's been interesting, a lot of people, you know, see in the title and, and you know, it's, you know, title, you know, one indicates more politics than I think I deliver. I think I, you know, that I deliver a lot more than just politics, right? You know, and to me, really politics is about, you know, is more than just, who wins and who loses, but what do, what do, what do the people get from the, from its politics? So I talk a great deal about education, economic development, roads, uh, state parks, elect, uh, electrification, a lot of things like that. Um, but George, tell me, uh, and, and our listeners too, um, uh, how you define geographically uh, Western Kentucky, but I want to do that because uh, as someone who's from that uh, area, uh, my home county is Barron, uh, Glasgow. You're not from Western Kentucky. No, 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 no. And, and that's my point. Um, I can feel the hairs on the back of my neck um, begin to tingle uh, a bit when uh, somebody uh, says something about Bowling Green or Glasgow for that example. Oh, you're from Western Kentucky. And I learned a long ago that that's a that's a real sensitive issue for 
for Barron Countyans who are in South Central Kentucky, uh, or for uh, people in the counties that really do make up Western Kentucky or West Kentucky, as some call it today. West Kentucky. Exactly. So tell us how you, uh, the the geographic boundaries uh, that you use in in writing uh, about uh, Western Kentucky. And, and I guess the emphasis on, on you or me, because there are a variety of ways that Western Kentucky has been described. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, you know, consensus, if you will, about what Western Kentucky is. In fact, one of the interesting things was, you know, was uh, Warren County in Bowling Green. You know, uh, you mentioned it as, as South Central Kentucky, and I went round and round with Al Cross on that issue, and he was bound and determined. Um, that he would he would convince me to exclude uh, Warren County, and uh, he challenged me to go to to uh, a telephone directory and count the number of businesses that are you know use Western Kentucky versus those that use South Central Kentucky. Well, eventually it was equal numbers, and the, the, you know to me the tiebreaker. I said when they changed the name of the university from Western Kentucky to something else, then I might consider excluding Bowling Green from Western Kentucky. But to answer your question, so I ended up drawing the line. Uh, if you go to the Eastern County boundaries for Hancock, uh, Ohio, Butler, Warren, and Simpson counties and all points West. George, this may be getting a little bit uh, in the weeds, but uh, why not on a podcast when we have uh, unlimited time and it's of hopefully uh, interest to, to, to people. Um, when when I have this discussion uh, with folks uh, in other parts of the state or they challenge me on um, Warren County, um, they want to know, they say, uh, why is it Western Kentucky University? And there's a story there. But as you know, and as people maybe do not know, uh, my hometown uh, made a dreadful mistake uh, at a certain point when it was uh, there was a a school there established as the Glasgow Normal School. And I don't know. I've forgotten the the exact details you would know or Bobby Richardson could tell us, couldn't he? Yes. uh, that uh, there was a decision made to move the Glasgow Normal School to Bowling Green, and 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 it became the the uh, a business school, and then the the teachers' college. And um, I think when I was growing up, it it was Western Kentucky Teachers College. Would it have been that in the forties like yeah. and fifties? And then, yeah. of course, became Western Kentucky University. So, why is it? People say, uh, if it's not in Western Kentucky, why is it called Western Kentucky University? Well, I guess the answer is uh, back at the time that the uh, really in in Kentucky's higher education system was heavily uh, weighted to the private colleges. Um, then for the longest time, of course, you had uh, what was to become the University of Kentucky as the uh, state institution. Um, and anyway, as the uh, as the state's common education system formed, there was a need for teachers in those in in the public schools, and there was not not enough um, uh, uh, you know training for those teachers. And so the legislature decided that it would create two uh, 
publicly funded institutions to train teachers to teach in public schools. One for the East, which became Eastern, right? One for the West, and you know that was located in Bowling Green. And uh, so for the longest time, and it, you know, it is pretty much uh, the idea was that the state was bifurcated and students from the East went to Eastern, students in the West went to Western. And then of course, along uh, 20, about 20 years later, Murray State entered the picture and, uh, uh, you know, Murray certainly picked up, uh, picked up the slack in far Western Kentucky. Um, George is um, there. There are references in your in your text, and and then in some of the reviews I read about uh, Western Kentuckians, uh, the 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 citizens of that region for uh, a number of years, have felt like that they were overlooked. Uh, that uh, I think the word um, uh, underappreciated is uh, also uh, used. Um, give us sort of the. Uh, the timeline of of how that began to develop uh, in the research that you've done. Well, uh, it, it certainly has been there. Uh, it still remains there. I, I would say, uh, despite the fact that you know Western Kentucky has become more um, you know integrated into you know into the state and what is happening in the state, but still. Uh, in fact, I, I, I was looking at the uh, publication and came out, the Courier Journal did at about 1992 with the uh, bicentennial. Uh, and, you know, there's the, a series called, I think, Our Towns, and uh, different reporters fanned out all over the state to visit with citizens in, uh, you know, uh, towns all across the state. Uh, anyway, that, that same sense of isolation, of estrangement from the Golden Triangle, from Frankfurt and uh, uh, Lexington and Louisville uh, that existed at the beginning of the, the time frame I'm looking at, you know, remained. And uh, it's, you know, I mean, you, you, you feel that they just don't understand us, you know, uh, back, back in the Golden Triangle. Uh, does that help? Yes, and and I was going to say you, you, I'm sure all the time that you were in Oklahoma, uh, you were still thinking about uh, coming back home or coming back to to your wife's home in Drakesboro, and you were uh, observing all of these goings on. Uh, and then I want to ask you when you got back here uh, to live in in uh, 2004, did you find a certain um, um, did you find that the, the people that you uh, met and that had lived here for some time were, were somewhat defensive of, of the region or they made comments about uh, being uh, uh, lopped off uh, from the, well, well you're, you're the depiction on your book cover of, of the crack uh, right there where you were sort of dropping uh, the state uh, sort of drops down. Did yeah. you, did you find that? Oh, uh, yeah, certainly I did. Um, you know, people, it's, in some ways, uh, Western Kentuckians um, like it that way. <laughs> you know, particularly over in the far west, it's, uh, you know, Frankfurt is so far away that, you know, the, the, you know, the remoteness of the area is, you know, to a certain degree beneficial. But yes, um, 
uh, I, I would say that there there is still that sense of separateness that uh, that exists, and I'm sure it feel you know people in Eastern Kentucky you know feel the same way. But I always kind of laughed, and chuckled to myself, uh, uh, and, and we did a little bit of this, I think, in trying to set up our meeting. Is uh, you know I was an administrator in higher education, and there'd be a meeting called in you know Frankfurt or wherever, and so the meeting notice would go out and say, well, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock, such and such time. And, uh, and I, I, I just, you know, I should have had it where I could have just, you know, clicked something, but I said, your time or my time. <laughs> they, yeah. They were reluctant to give up that idea of, uh, you know, there, there is a, a part of the state that's on central daylight time. You know? And uh, anyway, I kind of, kind of thought, well, that's just, uh, something that uh, seems endemic to, you know, what Kentucky is about. But uh, the geography of, of Western Kentucky, you know, contributes a lot to what we're talking about here. Um, you know, the rivers that, uh, that, that are in Western Kentucky, most of them, of course, uh, besides, the, I guess, the, you know, the Ohio, you know, flowing north and south, uh, you know, made travel to the east very, very difficult. And I always remember as a kid, uh, you know, when I would visit grandparents in Fulton, um, the newspapers they that they subscribed to were the Memphis newspapers. They didn't subscribe to the, now Paducah, they, 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 they you know, took the Sun Democrat, but, uh, you know, the Courier Journal was, I, I never read a Courier Journal growing up. Uh, you know, and we were talking about where you go for medical services, you know, before uh, people here go to Nashville, they don't go to Louisville. And of course, in the early period where I'm talking about, uh, those rivers weren't bridged. Uh, you had to take ferries across them. And so it was very difficult for people in Western Kentucky wanting to travel east. Well, you mentioned uh, our friend Al Cross, and and he has often uh, mentioned in discussing uh, the history of of Kentucky and 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 the political makeup of uh, of the entire state, uh, but especially in Western Kentucky. And he will make the example in Eastern Kentucky and Northern Kentucky about the media centers. Yes. Now that's changed somewhat with the advent of uh, cable and internet and all of that. And uh, younger folks, these folks I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, uh, don't really know that uh, as uh, we know that growing up in, in Barron County, when we finally got a television, the only television market that we had to look at uh, was Nashville. Mm -hmm. So we were steeped in Tennessee politics for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, the Northern Kentucky uh, residents looked at uh, Ohio television, the Eastern Kentucky. They got their main news from West Virginia. Right. So that, that was a big factor. Um, in, in all of this, in the way uh, I think a state uh, looks at themselves, uh, their, their self-esteem, their knowledge, their, their um, uh, interest in, in Frankfurt and uh, the Golden Triangle, and, and conversely, why, why no one is interested in Paducah or Henderson or Owensboro or whatever for a long time, I, I think that's changed somewhat. George, if you could, in this timeline, give us... Uh, just pick out a couple of two or three either 
personalities or um, you could talk about the the economics of, uh, I think it's very uh, evident in your book uh, that you pull out uh, dark fired tobacco, which uh, I- I'll tell you to this day, a lot of people don't know what that is, and also coal. And we always often think of coal in Eastern Kentucky, but my goodness gracious, it's still being mined, maybe more so than ever in Western Kentucky. Well, not so much now in Western Kentucky. Uh, where I where I live, uh, as far as the coal, uh, you know, of course, you're right. The Western Kentucky coal field was as productive in its heyday as the Eastern Kentucky coal field, and you know, the time frame when when uh, strip mining was was going gangbusters, and uh, Muhlenberg County in its day was the largest coal producing county in the country. Um, I can see almost from my porch. Uh, the the Paradise Steam Plant, the largest uh, you know electricity plant in the TVA system, it's now using natural gas. You know, there's no coal being used at that plant anymore. Um, so, uh, but for for the longest period of time, yes, coal was very important to Western Kentucky. Uh, and of course, uh, one of the things I kind of kind of have had to laugh. There's a book uh, on uh, so I think it's called Burley Tobacco or whatever that was published a few years ago is and Burley Tobacco is being Kentucky's tobacco. And I understand that, you know, Burley is, uh, is you know, more Burley tobacco is produced in the state than Dark Fire, but not by much. And certainly in Western Kentucky, uh, the Dark Fire is, you know, is, 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 is still very strong. And that's, of course, used for uh, I guess snuff and cigars, and, uh, chewing tobacco and things like that. Uh, How else has the um, the economics of of the counties that you spelled out uh, on the western edge and in and, and all of western Kentucky? How have they uh, improved or uh, grown in the, in the time period that you're talking about to to present day? Uh, grow. That's an interesting. Um, you know, so many of our towns are are really suffering. I think uh, as some of our legacy industries go away. Um, you know, certainly, uh, I guess Bowling Green has done well. Um, Owensboro is, is is doing pretty well, uh, and uh, you know, I think that Bowling Green is you know certainly benefits from that uh, I sixty five corridor being you know, between uh, Louisville and Nashville and, you know, is what now the third largest uh, city in Western Kentucky. People, by the way, don't think of, they think of Western Kentucky as entirely um, uh, uh, rural, which I think is a little um, uh, short-sighted or, you know, it, it, it overlooks the fact that our third and fourth largest cities are uh, Bowling Green and Owensboro. And then you have, uh, you have sizable towns in uh, Hopkinsville, Henderson, um, uh, Paducah. Now, you know, Paducah has, I think, struggled to uh, keep its co- economy viable. Um, you know, it lost its uh, uranium enrichment plant, which is a whole other story. Uh, but a lot of our towns, are, you know, are, 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 are struggling, you know, trying to find uh, you know, industry to replace, you know, the businesses that have been lost. 
uh, in the last 30 years. Uh, we're going to take a break here for our underwriter, but I want you to also uh, come back, uh, George, and uh, talk about uh, some uh, some personalities, some um, uh, politicians, if you will, um, that that have come from Western Kentucky and and uh, where that where that has led uh, the state and 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 what we find ourselves today in um, in looking for those those um, leaders. Um, and, uh, and again, uh, because all things are politics, uh, uh, how that has framed uh, where we are today, and uh, a number or two that I'll pull from your book and uh, as an illustration, but uh, we couldn't do this podcast without our, our friends at Spalding University and their wonderful MFA and uh, writing program. Um, and this uh, word will tell you where to find more information out about Spalding University. Spalding University's low residency MFA in creative writing offers outstanding instruction in a supportive literary community. Study across genres, explore the interrelatedness of the arts, travel to Paris next summer for short-term study abroad, or stay at Louisville's historic Brown Hotel during week-long residencies on campus. Study fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, writing for children and young adults, and writing for TV, screen, and stage. Learn more at spalding.edu forward slash writing or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. George, who are some of the, um, if we don't have them today that you can, although I can think of, uh, as soon as I say that, two or three off the top of my head, uh, who? Who, who should people be aware of uh, that were important to uh, during during its growth period? There's that word again uh, that people should be aware of that that may not have studied that in school. Um, well, of course, I you know I mentioned that there's been there were seven governors during my time frame, and uh, you had Ruby Lafoon uh, from Madisonville, uh, Happy Chandler who was. Uh, was uh, Lafoon's lieutenant governor, uh, two times governor, and uh, Keen Johnson, um, and uh, uh, Earl Clements, uh, Ned Breathitt, uh, uh, Wendell Ford, and Julian Carroll. So those are all Western Kentucky governors. Uh, as as far as personalities, uh, one that I that I've grown to appreciate more was Henry Ward. Uh, Henry Ward uh, could have been, very easily could have been, another Western Kentucky governor, uh, but he lost in the 1967 election to Louis Nunn. But uh, Ward is a very, you know, important figure, I think, for Kentucky politics. He uh, was from Paducah, uh, was elected to the General Assembly, uh, I think, at age 21, and uh, was around, you know, Kentucky politics until, like I said, 1967. But uh, his role in uh, securing uh, cheap electricity for uh, Western Kentucky when they built Kentucky Dam was, was extremely important to the development of Western Kentucky. Uh, much of our industry was based on the availability of, you know, the availability of plenty and cheap electricity. He was also the father 
of the state park system. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's, you know, Henry Ward deserves recognition for that. And also for much of our interstate system, he had a big hand in the building of our, uh, you know, interstates as well as the uh, uh, parkways that, uh, that were built back in the 1960s and 70s. Um, so uh, I'm drawn to him. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember Barry Craig, a friend, uh, I think he's, you know, Barry Craig. Yes. When Historian I, and professor and uh, emeritus and uh, still very active uh, in, in Western Kentucky uh, uh, politics and, and, and commentary and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I, back about 2015, I did a, radio program or TV program with Barry, you know, uh, uh, and uh, he asked me who of my other uh, governors was my favorite. And I, I thought, I never, never thought about that, but I picked Ned Brethen and I find him a compelling figure uh, and, uh, you know, for his role in, uh, in uh, uh, passing uh, civil rights legislation. And, you know, if you look at his, at his record, his first two years in office were a disaster. And, you know, he, he could not pass his program. And, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, effectively used the power that he held uh, to gain control of the General Assembly and push through, uh, you know, the, the uh, civil rights legislation, uh, you know, uh, coal mining legislation, you know, uh, regulating the strip mines and a, and a number of pieces of important legislation. George, for those uh, who uh, don't know uh, Alvin Barkley and uh, his uh, stature uh, and and uh, his place in Kentucky history, tell us uh, just briefly about uh, about Alvin Barkley. Well, Alvin Barkley um, was born in a log cabin. <laughs> lived in, in small towns in Western Kentucky, um, around, around Mayfield and Hickman, uh, in, in Kentucky. And then, uh, once he graduated from college in Clinton, uh, went to, uh, uh start, studied law and, uh, in Paducah and ran, oh, he, I think he held a number of positions in county government in McCracken County and then ran for the Congress, um, and, you know, uh, just before, well, back during Woodrow Wilson's administration, it goes back that far. And um, anyway, he he ran for governor in 1923, ran a good good campaign, but lost, and uh, uh, ran on a reform ticket. Um, but then, when the uh, U.S. Senate seat opened up, he won that, and he went on to. Uh, play a major, major role in the in the New Deal. Uh, he gave the keynote uh, address at uh, FDR's first uh, Democratic National Convention. Uh, he was very active in uh, as Assistant Majority Leader in helping to pass much of uh, uh, the early New Deal legislation. And then, uh, interesting enough, uh, he uh, he backed FDR in the uh, what's called the Supreme Court crisis of 1937. Uh, not unlike the uh, perhaps the Supreme Court crisis that we are currently in, but uh, FDR 
uh, had had a number of his, uh, you know, quite a bit of his New Deal program overturned by a conservative Supreme Court. And he uh, he decided that he was going to deal with the Supreme Court by expanding the number of justices. Uh, anyway, for basically six months, and you know, in an unair condition, <laughs> uh, federal national capital, um, that battle went on. It killed the majority leader in the Senate. I mean, he was the the one that was was fighting hardest for it, but it absolutely killed him. And uh, and Alvin Barkley stepped up to uh, replace him as majority leader by one vote. Uh, FDR backed him and uh, wrote a letter that uh, was widely known as the Dear Alvin letter, and uh, signaling that that uh, Barkley was his choice to re you know to be the majority leader. He was majority leader uh, for the rest of uh, FDR's administration, except for one brief period in 1944. Um, and I, I always like. Barkley tended to see his relationship with the president as like a pitcher and a catcher. And, uh, you know, that there should be close communication between the two. But Barkley became incensed over a, um, a tax uh, increase proposal that the congressional admit, you know, leadership said, don't do this. We don't need to do this in 1944. But you know, FDR was insistent that there, you know, that there should be a tax increase. And anyway, they hammered out, you know, less than what uh, FDR wanted. And in, when the bill got to his desk, he vetoed it and humiliated Barclay to the extent that Barclay took the Senate floor uh, and in, in passion terms complained about how he had been mistreated and resigned as majority leader. Um, the next day, um, you know, the next day the Democratic caucus met and uh, uh, reelected him as majority leader. And actually, this is the only time I, I'm, as I'm aware of it, that the Congress actually overrode a veto on a tax increase. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, the importance of that was, you know, Barkley had, uh, you know, was, was ambitious, wanted to be president. Uh, 1944 was his probably his best chance. Uh, instead, you know, the vice presidency went to went to uh, Truman. Uh, then, when FDR died in 1945, uh, Truman becomes president. Well, Barkley did, you know, his career continued on in 1948. Uh, he uh, uh, was was picked to run with with uh, Truman. In that you know, very well known campaign, and I think Barkley did more than a lot of people thought in terms of the upset that Truman pulled off in 1948. He wanted to be president in 1952, but he was old by then, and it just wasn't in the cards. He was uh, among Democrats extremely popular in Kentucky, was he not? Oh yes, yeah, great campaigner. I, I talk a lot about the 1938 campaign. That was a classic campaign pitting uh, 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 Happy Chandler and uh, and Barkley and uh, both legendary campaigners. It, that was quite a quite an event. Uh, George Humphreys is the uh, author of The Fall of Kentucky's Rock, uh, Western Kentucky Democratic Politics Since the New Deal. 
uh, a really interesting uh, read uh, for uh, all of us, uh, those uh, of us who remember a lot of it and, and uh, certainly new readers and uh, people who want, under, want to understand that uh, region of our state. George, in, in summing up, is there... Uh, I don't, I don't want to uh, ask you, Is uh, do you have hope for Western Kentucky? You know, I don't, I don't want to go there. But um, as we look at the landscape, the, 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 the political, the economic uh, landscape of uh, where we are today, of, of uh, it seems like in both national and state politics, as well as local, uh, we're so divided uh, on so many things. Uh, we are, um, uh, I think, Kentucky uh, as a rural state uh, still struggles uh, mightily to um, to do the right thing and to keep up with um, uh, our surrounding states, for that matter. I mean, there's always that comparison thrown out. It has been for 20 years. Uh, uh, we could have been in Indianapolis. We could have been in Nashville. Um uh, that sort of thing. So what 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 lasting words can you tell us, uh, can you leave with us about uh, where you think uh, Western Kentucky might be if we were having this discussion in another 50 years? That's a that's a really tough question. I, I, you know, in terms of our national uh, our national position, you know, and if you look back, uh, as I have, um, at the beginning of when, when I talk about uh, Kentucky politics, we had uh, as many as 11 members in the Congress. Um, you know, that gave us a lot of clout. You look at the uh, Supreme Court judges from from Kentucky, uh, you know, uh, you know, the leaders in the Congress, uh, you know, we, we, we had a lot of clout. Of course, we have Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell would would rank uh, as far as I think uh, effective, uh, effective uh, legislative uh, congressional leaders um, right there with, with with Barkley. I, I I don't know that I see a successor to you know somebody on the uh, horizon who is ready to step up and take Mitch McConnell or Barkley's uh, position in, in 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 Washington. Do you? No, but uh, both of us are a little bit long in the tooth, and uh, somebody might uh, think that a uh, a thirty four year old uh, uh, first time elected uh, African American attorney general uh, who has aspirations uh, for future politics, uh, or uh, the younger generation, George. Let's face it; um, uh, they th- there's some there's some mighty leaders there. Uh, look at the present governor. Yes. Uh, so I think I, I'm not ready to declare um, that, that we won't ever have another national leader uh, like uh, the ones that have come before. Uh, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I remain to be seen. I, and from my standpoint, when I looked at uh, you know the last few pages of my book, I looked at uh, where does Western Kentucky stand in terms of the politics of, of the Commonwealth? And um, uh, you know, you know, I I, I don't see um, the 
you know, and of course the Republicans control Western Kentucky. I don't know that we've talked enough about that, but outside of Patty Minner from Bowling Green, the entire Western Kentucky delegation in Frankfurt is, is now Republican. I don't know that I'll see, you know, we'll see a change in the mid, you know, mid to, or, you know, the elections coming up either. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I don't know that Western Kentucky has benefited that much from having such a strong uh, Republican uh, delegation in Frankfurt in terms of leadership or, uh, you know, new initiatives, things like, you know, I talk about in the book with terms of uh, road improvements, state parks, higher education institutions. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I've written several times, you know, perhaps something, something uh, significant will come out of the uh, recovery from the tornadoes. And, uh, I, you know, that remains to be seen, but there's, there's been quite a bit, whether, whether it will end up being that significant in the long run, I, I don't know, it's too early to tell. Well, it's uh, fascinating uh, for some um, and for some of us to discuss and to think about and to, uh, uh, to contemplate. Uh, it's, um, you, you have such good references in here uh, and the research is excellent. Uh, I, I think it, uh, it creates um, a lot of um, points of, of uh, contention as well as uh, and controversy, uh, but as well as, uh, as, as paths forward as ways to, uh, to discuss uh, how uh, all of us in Kentucky can uh, join together and do better in the future. So let's, uh, let's hope that that occurs. Let's, I'm going to be optimistic about that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> George Humphreys is the author of The Fall of Kentucky's Rock. Uh, the book is available uh, online and uh, through the University Press of Kentucky. And George will be joining us, uh, we hope, uh, in a few months uh, on October the 29th at the Kentucky Book Festival at Joseph Beth Booksellers uh, in Lexington. Uh, I know he'll have a lot of uh, folks that will want to spend a few minutes with him at his table and uh if you haven't gotten the book, he'll uh, probably uh, sign it with his uh, own personal signature uh, for real. I'll be glad to do that. All right, sir. Thanks, George. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 50 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities. 